The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet, how are you? I'm pretty good. I think we wanted to start it all off kind of talking about uh, shadow people and sleep paralysis, and then just see where that takes us. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about going into dreams in general. That was the idea for the the topic, and... Uh, we just kind of realize it's a huge subject and there's some particularly interesting aspects of it to me anyway. I know to you as well, but, um, you know, one of, one of the things that's the most interesting to me is the whole shadow people phenomenon. And I know you've had experience with this as well as I, correct? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it, I think that to put it under a general blanket and say shadow people phenomenon definitely is enough to, symbolize what it was I went through. But it's weird because I think there's a lot of intonations to that experience too because it's a very personal experience. So I never perceived them as shadows. They didn't look like shadows to me. So I have a hard time with the terminology, but that's just me tripping up on a general a generalization, you know? Yeah, that's true for me as well. I haven't had I've never saw the the hat man they call they call it um for those of you who don't know, I'm sure most people know um shadow people are this phenomenon that's part of the what they call sleep paralysis um where you kind of get fall asleep and get stuck in your body and can't move and like your consciousness is aware but your body is asleep and sometimes these beings come into your room and they're really creepy and weird and scary and i've had my own i guess it's kind of like my own version of a shadow person with that trucker guy that we talked that i talked about in the documentary the the down vest dude with no head so yeah yeah and i think that that's a good way to talk about it too because again it's such a personal experience i think and because dreaming and and states of consciousness of course inherently are personal it's a very subjective experience so you know again i think that's that's that is a good caveat into the topic you do want to tell that story i think that one's awesome very interesting and it it parallels for me a lot of similarities in some of my own experiences as well yeah sure um i I do want to say i think it's really strange that 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 the black figure and uh shadow people the hat man is is a thing that a lot of different people experience though that's really weird don't you think that's that's such a it trip. is it's such a trip because it's really common if you see I, we were talking about this documentary the nightmare that i think streaming on netflix right now it's really good and you know it's really incredible that all these stories are so similar and the figures are so similar and uh it's weird though i could relate to my experience with this trucker dude which i'll I'll go into just not by the the way that the the uh figure looked but the feelings that came along with it when they described it right, in, that, in right. that film it was like yeah that's exactly what i was thinking and it's uh bizarre well i think that you know it, it it is interesting that whole entire thing and but one of the things that chet and i are trying to avoid here a little bit anyway, is trying to uh, understand or make sense out of like to say, well, this is, you know, this this is a, a shadow people experience. This is a sleep paralysis experience. This is an experience of lucid versus vivid versus out of body, so on and so forth. And more not trying to talk about 
what causes these things to occur as much and trying to draw conclusions about what's, what that state of consciousness means and how they relate, but just more kind of fleshing out these experiences by e- expressing them to one another and enjoying the storytelling aspect of that and, and the parallels and the consistencies. Again, I mean, I'm in awe over that same thing that there are these – when I saw that documentary, I was really surprised. Like, wow, there are a lot of people out there that have had these experiences yeah. all over the world, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. It's like this cross-cultural thing. But, and cross to cross historical thing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. It goes back to the uh, the old hag, that, um, and even the incubus and the succubus, yeah. <clears throat> and the feeling of the pressure on the chest is something I haven't had, but I I know people that have had had that where they felt something sitting on their chest. I think my mom mm-hmm. had that before, and so many anecdotal stories. But um, I can talk about my uh, evil trucker uh, thing. If you want. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so this happened. It's in the documentary. You should buy the documentary. I like to paint monsters because it's in there. You get the whole story with some creepy music in the background too. But uh, it, I was around, I think, twelve years old, and this is pro. I think it was the first out of body type situation I ever had. You know, it was around the time I was going through puberty, which I think probably had something to do with it. But um, maybe, maybe not. But uh, I was laying in my bed, and I saw, I noticed, I was looking, I didn't realize I was asleep at the time, but I was looking uh, under, under, at the crack of light. There was a crack of light uh, underneath the bedroom door, and I could kind of see it from where I was uh, laying in bed. And I, I just had this feeling of pure dread, you know, just pure evil and dread something i'd never felt before i don't think or not that i was conscious of and i knew there was something outside of the door and then i realized at that point that my body was stuck or i was stuck inside of my body my body was asleep and i could not get out of it and so i was kind of trying to shake myself away completely panicking and then all of a sudden this figure um, was standing right next to my bed and he had he was kind of like a slightly heavy set truck driver looking guy like uh, had a pair of jeans on and a flannel shirt and a down vest kind of like a standard looking trucker guy and he had a pillow up where his face was so he's holding this pillow with one hand somehow the pillow was you know covering his head and kind of cartoon a cartoon pillow almost in a way that was kind of you know straight up and down like he was holding it by was he cartoony at all no he was totally realistic but the pillow you know kind of defied logic he was holding it by corner and it was like a square in front of his face and he just started hitting me with the pillow uh not super hard but just like hitting me with it and i was freaking out and panicking trying to rock myself out of it and when he pulled when he hit me with the pillow there was just black where his head was like he kind of didn't have a head it just went into the black of the background or he had a black you know maybe it was a black i don't know what it was but um so i was i had a at that point i had a voice come in my head and it said he could only scare you he can't hurt you he could only scare you clear as day you know and that didn't help me feel any better but um because a big part of of that was just this terror and this spiritual dread feeling like evil and you know i was not raised like that i I never really believed in kind of spiritual evil really 
you know, I was always more, everything's ultimately good and, and love is underlying everything. So it was really weird to feel an evil spiritual presence or what I perceived as an evil spiritual presence. And so anyway, he was hitting me with the pillow and I, and I kept trying to shake myself back and forth out of it. And then I hit a point where I was, I was trying to scream too. Like I remember feeling these muffled screams like, and, uh, I yanked myself out of it and he just, I was looking at him and he disappeared as I kind of came back into regular consciousness and everything got wavy, like in the movies or bewitched or something. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that was it. That was it. And that was terrifying absolutely terrifying so you know it's interesting to me that you you know you opened it up by calling it one of your first out of bodies but in fact it was very much an in body like (laughs) that's true stuck in body experience well that's yeah that's that's a good point because i guess i call it that because subsequently i had many out of body experiences and this and the the stage where before i started to leave my body i would be stuck in my body it's happened a lot of times for me, you know, so I do consider it kind of an out of body type of thing, you know. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, totally. I mean, and, and I and I only ask the question just because I think it's fun to clarify that for the people listening, because I totally relate to what you're saying about mm. that experience. Yeah, it was really scary, really scary, and very similar to the experiences from uh, the people were saying in this documentary, the nightmare and stuff I've read as well online, and just anecdotal stories. You know, I know people that have had black shapes hovering over them or standing over them with that feeling of pure dread and terror. You know, it's a big thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of it. You know, obviously, it must be just part of the human condition. I mean, because it, it's clear that it's something that people experience, you know, yeah. and for whatever reason, whatever, whatever it is that causes it to occur, everyone seems to ubiquitously mm. share that experience. Yeah, and, and I know we're we're not trying to go in and figure out what everything is, but I really do feel strange about the scientific definition of it being or a scientific label of sleep paralysis because when you're in that state, you know, you feel it's not like a regular dream. It's it feels so real. It feels like, you know, you'd mentioned before more real than in your book, I think you mentioned this. It feels more real than reality sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, presence, hyper real. Yeah. And that presence is like, it's there. There's this evil presence standing next to you. It's, you just, it's one of those things. You just know it. Freaky. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that definitely, it's funny because I never really, you've been helping me to kind of reinvestigate my experiences as a child through a different lens because I didn't ever really perceive them akin to what you're suggesting like i never really realized that because and i guess a little preamble is good i started having those experiences when i was like three and a half in fact my first memory i ever had is of one of those experiences that's your before first i have any memory yeah yeah wow that's scary yeah i have it's i don't have waking memories before that no wonder you like dark art <laughs> right <laughs> 
So it's you know so for me it's interesting because uh, and I'll tell the story yeah, that I just it. never I never really realized like how similar that is, even till really till just now like mm-hmm. even watching the nightmare that documentary and seeing all these people talk about their experiences and how similar they are and you have told me that story a thousand times so it's like I you know I but I never really realized how similar that first experience that I have you know or had was to all these other stories that I've had. Wow, yeah. Heard rather, excuse me. Right, yeah. I've always considered that when you've told me that story that, that you're about to tell, I've always thought of it as that's you know I always just took it from that perspective that it was some kind of sleep paralysis deal or whatever you know. Well, and it's obvious because I even used the word paralyzed. So yeah, it's right. like clearly it was a sleep. <laughs> it was you know, and it was during a sleep dream type you right. know uh, non ordinary reality state of consciousness. All right. Well, let's hear it. I want to hear this story again. Okay, so so basically, they, and I'll try to tell it how I remember it, really. Like, I was in my crib. I was in a crib. That's the thing. And I know because they, it had walls on it, and they were slatted, and they, like, went up, like, you know, I'm laying on my back, and I'm looking at the ceiling, and there's, like, these slatted walls, and there's a foot and the headboard, and I'm in this crib, and I'm looking at the ceiling, and there's, like, a mobile. I remember there being a mobile on the ceiling. And then all of a sudden, I just, like get gripped with this horrible terror like oh my god something's watching me like i can just feel that something's watching me and i'm not alone either and i look over at the closet and the closet doors are like louver doors and they're the kind that come together in the middle so they're like hinged and they kind of fold back and then they fold out so they're folded all the way out and there's just a crack right in the middle that's open and it's real dark and I can see these two eyes peering at me from that crack in the closet door. But the thing is, is it doesn't make any sense because they're – it looks like its neck is broken and its head must be hanging sideways because each eye, like one's above the other in the crack, so you know. Cool. Uh, like, <laughs> so uh, amazing. You know, up uh, – what's, what's the word? Well, anyway, up and down, you know. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it and it's – and th- these eyes are kind of blazing at me and I can tell. And And the thing that I remember that's the weirdest is like right now when I talk about it, I can picture what it looked like in my head, but I couldn't really see it because it was behind the closet door. So that's kind of a weird thing. Like right now I can picture it, whatever it looked like behind the closet door. Anyway. What did the eyes look like? They were like glowing. They were like, uh, I want to say like kind of like jaundiced, like yellowish Mm. kind of. Like I don't remember them being red. I wanted to say that right away. I want to say that, but yeah. that's not what it was. Like yeah. that maybe that's just because that's the the obvious thing it should be. But they, I remember them being kind of jaundiced. What I remember was them being like dead eyes. Like if you've seen pictures of dead people, the way that their eyes look, mm-hmm. that's how its eyes look. Oh, and wow. they were glow, glowing like that. And they were so, – were they – I mean I don't want to get too caught up in the minutiae here. But were they that uh, oval, like an eyeball shaped or were they round or – they looked just like – like what it looked like was if right now if you turned your head like this and you were looking at me you know, um, vertically and your eyes were just dead and then right. there was like this radiance of yellow that was like radiating almost like car headlights. So they looked, from hum- the eyes. It looked like humanoid. Absolutely humanoid. Okay. Totally. Okay. Go Not on. a doubt. Yeah. And these de- real dead looking eyes. But they were looking right at me like it's just like wow. staring at me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized that it's it's sending these things to me and I look up on the ceiling and there's these like – I don't – again, I hate to say spidery because they weren't spiders. But they looked like spiders because they were dark and like wads, kind of like wadded mass with like weird tangly 
bits that came off that were black and they like scurried across the ceiling like kind of thing <laughs> to right above where my head was and they're like right above me and I'm like oh fuck you know and I can feel this sense of dread and I can't move I'm like I've, again paralyzed like I felt like I was just stuck and I'm like, I'm really little too, so I, I didn't have any kind of like, uh, you know, the adult thoughts about, oh, well, get out of my body or whatever. I'm right. like this toddler, you know, and I'm stuck there. And then they just start descending at me super fast from above, like right down into my face. Oh, and they're like, they look spidery and black and gross. And like as they're getting closer to me, I'm like feeling sick, like I'm gonna, like I'm gonna vomit, like wow. I feel this horrible sense of like terror and impending doom. And then the minute that they hit me, it's like, bam. And then I'm just flying all of a sudden I'm flying over like a, a flat expanse, like just immediately. And I can feel that I'm not in my body. Like that's, that's, I know that I've been taken out of my body. I can feel that those things that drop from the ceiling, grab me and pull me out of my body. Now, how I would know all of that, I don't know, but that's, I well, do, I did. There is a feeling when you go out of body of lightness you know, I'm sure you, you you have felt that. Yeah, well, and this was like of incredible speed. I was hanging underneath some black thing that was above me, and it's flying me like so fast over this expanse. And the thing about this expanse is it's like it goes on infinitively in all directions. And it's so weird that I could even say that because it's totally dark, so I can't really see anything. I just know that it goes on for mm. all, you know, like in all directions. And it's flying me and I'm hanging underneath it and I have like no control. And it's like my face is so close to this thing. It's like by my face. And there's this pressure that's like building in me. Like, And I feel like I'm flying towards the most horrible thing that you could possibly imagine. Like whatever it is, if you just sat for a, thought, a second and thought, what's the most horrible thing I could imagine happening to me? That is the sensation of what I was flying towards. And so like every second I'm just closer and closer and closer and closer oh to it. Yeah, and it's like – and it was horrible. And I would get so terrified that I would like – I would have these moments of kind of lucidity where I would like kind of wake up and I would realize that I was having the experience and I was kind of like in bilocating like in two places at once. And part of me was having the experience but part of me was like aware of my waking reality. So I would like walk into my parents' room and like try to wake them up to have them help wake me up. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't be able to. And then I would get sucked back into that experience again. So then it was like oh boing God. and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, and I'm flying, you know. <laughs> it was just like – and I would ping pong basically back and Whoa. forth between those two states. And this happened to me for years and years and years as a toddler. And so that's kind of my first experience with that strange, I don't know what it is thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's absolutely horrifying. And I named it because ultimately I didn't know what it was, but I had to put words to it. So I called it the something. Right. So the shadow people for me is the something. Yeah, right. It's the boogie. I didn't know what it it's yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a it's like a it or the boogeyman or you know, it's a an accurate description of something that weird and creepy. My dog's whining. Hold on. Sorry. Doc is out there crying. It's cool. Oh. So anyway, oh, yeah, Doc joined us for our conversation. Yeah. What do you have to contribute, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was like that person that tried to sell gold to Tatsu that one time over the internet and you like totally messed with them. They were like somebody trying to like make some money scamming on the Facebook oh, yeah. and they like sent the Tatsu page. They were like, do you want buy gold for a good price? And you respond, you were like rough. And then they came back and they're like, no, we are serious. Do you want buy gold? Very good price. And you're all rough, rough. And then they came back and it like went back and forth for a really long time. Totally forgot about that. It's so funny. It's so awesome. You know, I've I've had uh, people close to me that have had similar experiences as well. I had a family member who um, woke up and had a, like I was saying, had a black smoky figure leaning over them and the, the same fear, uh, the dread, the fear feeling and the not being able to move. And um, I had a, another friend who uh, uh, saw... It's funny that you mentioned yellow eyes because he saw, I don't know if he was, it was when he, I think it wasn't, uh, I don't know if he was awake or not. That's the thing. But he did see this black figure walk by with gold eyes, just gold like, but his, he said they were kind of round gold eyes that were glowing. Um, my mom had a, a, an experience after there was a, we were kids doing a Ouija board and the Ouija board started kind of wigging out. We were probably teenagers and, um, <clears throat> started moving really fast and going crazy and saying all this kind of negative stuff. And it got so bad at one point, my friend picked it up and broke the board in, <laughs> in half. And, uh, wow. yeah, the next day my mom was in the kitchen and she saw this black figure walk in and it was looking at her and then it kind of moved away but she saw stuff like that all the time but i don't know if she had a lot of out of bodies or well you know here i can and i definitely can speak to that because i saw i was plagued by the the something that i called waking and non-waking so it wasn't like it was uh, just signature to going to sleep it would harass me in the daylight oh, hours really? too yeah. in my house yeah like give some examples of that it, like the only way to describe it, it's so funny because it's not like there's nothing legit about it. There's no way to like dignify it. There's no way to say, well, this happened or that right. happened. All of a sudden, I would be overcome with a sensation and it would be like typically in my house, typically – and it didn't really matter where it was, and but I would typically be alone. And I would all of a sudden be overcome with a sensation of like incredible impending doom that there was something right around the corner that was this – and it was a being and I knew it was and it was going to get me. And like my parents even called me the stampeding herd. That was the nickname for me, the stampeding <laughs> herd, because I would run everywhere in the house as fast as I could from room to room. Because if I was in a room, I could like I'd be all right. But it was like going between rooms. Huh. It would try to it would try to get me in the hallways, and, and I wow. would know I could feel it was like right. This is the thing about it is again it's so subjective because it's just mm. a sensation. There's nothing to say like well. The, it was it, it was very careful and careful is a funny thing to say as if it had like thought or something but it was very careful to disguise itself well you know what i mean no what do you mean by that <clears throat> well i mean i'll give you a good example so my sister had experiences with it too and one time we were in the basement and the basement was an area where there was a lot of that energy i could feel the something down there mm. pretty pretty heavily and the basement was unfinished it was like an unfinished basement so it was like sheetrock you know but not painted or like carpeted or tiled yeah, or anything yeah. like that 
And, you know, so kind of creepy. But it wasn't like – I wasn't afraid of the basement. That's the thing. I liked the basement. But there was this energy that would predate upon me down there. So mm-hmm. I also didn't like the basement. But uh, my sister and I were sitting down there. We had this lamp. And it was like uh, one of those lamps that, like from the 70s that has like the dome, like a plastic dome. And then it has like a lacquered wooden stick that comes off of it and bows around and then mm-hmm. back. So you could like slide a chair under it and you could read a book under it like a reading light, you mm-hmm. know. But the head of it, the dome of it was like this beige plastic like this and it had a bulb inside so it lit up. And my sister, we were in the basement and I'm looking at the the plastic lamp and my sister's telling me about how she had this dream. And she had this dream where she was laying on her back and she was looking up into the lamp and the lamp is like above her face looking down at her. And then all of a sudden, in it's not a lamp. It's this creature. It's like this emaciated, like, creature that's got this, like, th- thin, skinny, curved, bowed body and this huge, bloated kind of beige head. And she's stuck in the chair underneath it. And it's looking down at her. And she's looking up at it. And there's nothing she can do. And it's like doing something to her but she doesn't know what it is so as she's telling me this story i'm looking at the lamp and i swear to you it did the exact thing she was describing play by play as she was describing it in front of my eyes like it turned into that thing she was describing while she was telling me about the dream she had so it was that's what i mean like it disguised itself in really weird ways and it would do it in dreams too where like you would get through one costume and then there'd be another costume you get through that costume then there's another one you know it's kind of like the bugs bunny thing you know knocking the door open another door another door another door another door yeah wow that's pretty scary Uh, you know the other uh big scary shadow people type of phenomenon I experienced was the little invisible toddlers that I talk about in the documentary. Also, I don't want to give all the documentary stuff away or nobody will buy it. No, that's okay. People are going to want to see it anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good story too. So uh, you should, you should just go ahead and tell it. Yeah. Okay. We'll cut it out if it's too revealing. No, it won't be. <laughs> They're going to miss all the, all the great B roll though, that we cut together that goes with it, that dignifies it. Makes That's it true. so much more interesting and That's multifaceted. True. Well, I guess this, um, <clears throat> I was, uh, this is as an adult. I think I was in my late twenties, early thirties, maybe now probably late twenties. And, um, I woke up in the middle of the night by the sound of knocks on my back door i think this was maybe three in the morning or something and um immediately i was i could tell that something was weird like i, I thought i was just hearing you know really frantic kind of sounding on the back door and loud and it was scared the shit out of me because it's like three in the morning who the hell's knocking on the kitchen door as well which is you know in the backyard and not the front door and um the air was crackling and uh it like cellophane sounding like you know weird crackling sounds and staticky sounding and so i knew that something was up you know this is uh, this is weird and then i immediately knew after you know once i kind of had a moment to orient myself i realized that i was kind of in that state that i'd had many times before then as well but most of the times they were uh really pleasant and felt amazing you know the opposite of the evil feeling um but anyway so i hear the knocking i'm trying to wake myself up again i'm stuck in my body and 
um, my body's starting to float while this is happening, but my, my head is stuck and my feet go up. So I'm kind of, I feel my body floating up in the air, uh, down at my feet, but my head for whatever reason can't get out of my body. So I can't get out and float around. And, um, I hear, uh, all of a sudden like a pitter patter of little feet running through the house towards the bedroom where I was. <clears throat> of course, I'm starting to panic again. You know, I'm doing the whole thing. Where I'm trying to like wake up or get out of my body or something. And um, I also hear this laughter of little, little uh, children, like three-year-old children, uh, a group of them, and these and these, you know, like a little pitter patter of feet, <laughs> pitter patter of little three-year-olds running through the house, coming to my room. And uh, again, I'm stuck at the head, so I can't really do anything, but I'm kind of looking around and I, I look towards the door and I see them, I, as I hear them approaching the door, I look towards the door and I see them run in and it's a group of these little, you know, let's see, two, three foot tall, maybe figures. And I couldn't see them. They're invisible, but I could see kind of their outlines um, I've described it to you, I think, is the, the way that the effect they have in that movie Predator. Talk about an old reference that dates me. But, you know, the the original Predator, how, how, how the Predator's invisible, but you can kind of see these almost like heat waves or whatever. It looked kind of like that. And so I could see them, and they're all laughing and giggling, and they run around to my side of the bed, and then they all, all at once, they all stick their hands inside of my head, and then I'm struck with this excruciating pain in in my head and um which i've never experienced before in an out of body any kind of pain or anything like that um before or since or in a dream or anything it felt like a real pain like an excruciating migraine pain instantly as soon as they stuck their hands in my head and then i was able to kind of again shake myself out of it and then i'm just sitting you know sitting in the bed going oh what the hell just happened it was really creepy, man. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's that, it, every time you tell me, I always get like a creepy feeling just because I've had similar type experiences, so I can kind of like glean off of it, like. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it was accompanied by that same evil feeling, you know. There should be a well, name I, for and that I've feeling. Had, it's funny because I've had both sides of that coin too, where I've had that experience like you've had that's obviously very kind of negative and bizarre and creepy or even just downright like I don't know what other word just like you said. I don't, I, I don't know that I've – I have a hard time with the evil word I guess. I just get this like <laughs> incredible sense of negativity, just like yeah, the yeah. most – the deepest, most intense negativity. But I've also had these really incredibly positive experiences too with it. So there is you know like a balance to it and a, two sides to that coin. For sure, you know. Yeah, it's really strange too because you're in the same space. It's almost like there's this. It's like the extreme versions of of feeling in waking life or something. Because you know, I've had them as well. The the first big one I had was it you know an out of body and I was floating around my room and um, it was around the same time. No, I was a little bit older than the uh, the trucker guy experience, but. I was just floating around and it felt so good. And I knew, I just knew that knowing that you get it's, this is what it's like when you die. And this is, this is the real me floating around right now. I just felt pure. I felt like pure energy with no, uh, 
it was almost like, you know, when you're in your body, you've got constantly, you've got all these chemicals and electrical impulses running around that basically regulate how you feel. And I felt like I was me without all of that stuff and me without all of that stuff wasn't nothing or it wasn't, you know, a bad feeling thing. It was an amazing feeling thing. Like just felt so good just to be alive, you know, like did have I ever told you about the bubble copter? Have I ever told you my bubble copter story? Uh, yeah, you ha- you have, but you should tell <laughs> you should tell it again here because it's pretty cool. That's, that's a good one that kind of like that was around the same time as that my experience with the something. So it's kind of was like the, the, again, oh, that, the thing that made made me ex- feel good and excited about dreaming. Like that, I because otherwise same what was age? that same age. Yeah, yeah, oh. it would have been right around the time that I was three and a half, four, oh. that that happened. And it's, you know, it's funny again, because I think if it would have all just been those like terrifying experiences, I just would have been afraid to go to sleep, yeah. you know, but there were these amazing experiences I had too that were like this one. And, and basically it was like, it's funny because a lot of the time, the other experience I told where I'm flying over that flat landscape at a given point in time, I like pop out in a whole nother dimension. I like pierce some kind of a membrane is the best way to describe it. It's like my fear gets to be so much that I can't take the amount of fear that it is anymore. And something goes and I just like pop out and I'm in like a whole nother world. So anyway, the reason I say that is that's how this felt, the the experience I'm about to describe, but it happened immediately from going to sleep. So I went to sleep. I was like laying there, remember going to sleep. And then all of a sudden I was just like flying above a city and I was, and I could feel that I was inside of like a bubble that was like a, it felt like a, a clear orb that was around me. And I was levitating in the middle of it and it would move based on my thoughts. And I was flying above a cityscape. So I'm looking way down and it's like this, an island cityscape. And and so there are waterways around it and then I can see all the roads and the bridges and all these cars and it's all dotted with different things that are going on. Did it look like a, a, a modern city or a future city? Or? Yeah, it looked like a modern city. Just like a regular. It looked exactly like a ni- mid, uh, you know, early to mid 1980s city, basically. Oh, cool. Okay. But from the view of like flying in a helicopter, pretty mm-hmm. much. But I'm in this bubble, and I could feel that there's something with me. There's a presence that's with me, and it's really a positive, almost like paternal, like a fatherly sensation mm-hmm. of this presence. And I can't see it. I know it's behind me. I can feel that it's behind me and I feel that it's making sure that I'm okay with what I'm where I that I'm floating above the city. And the thing is is it's like hyper real where like I can right now talking about it I can smell what it smelled like. like wow. It, it was like I could smell I could feel it and and the the crazy thing about it is the, all the movements of the bubble copter were based on thought. And so if I wanted to rotate to be like as if you're laying like Superman looking down I would just think it and the whole bubble copter would go and it would like rotate and I'd be like looking down at the city like laying out flat, you know, and I knew I was protected. I knew I was safe. I knew I couldn't fall. I knew nothing bad could happen to me. I remember thinking like I want to go really fast and it was like and it like flew really fast over the top of the city and then I was like stop and then it was just like and it just stopped. You know, know what's interesting about that is that is a a technique of you know, we've talked about of uh, moving and outer bodies, how you move, you, you know, you don't have the same kind of reflexes you have in your physical body. And so right. in order to move or grab something or walk, you have to think, okay, walk, you have to think, yeah. it. reach yeah, out, yeah. grab the cup or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's weird that yeah. you have that mechanism there at such an early age. 
Yeah, I knew. I mean, I in that at least in that experience. And what's interesting to me is that you look at these two parallels. They're both flying. One of them is flying out of oh, control, yeah. and true. one of them is flying in control. What so you've true. got two sides of one coin, you know. And it's and it was so it was a really cool sensation of like, wow, I could do anything. Like that <laughs> sensation of like limitless possibilities, right? Of like. I could fly in outer space. I could do, you know, but the thing is, is that as soon as I became basically aware that I was in a dream and that I was able to actually make decisions, got booted out of the dream just like that. You're out. You know what I mean? Like immediately upon realizing, oh, yeah, wait, okay, the reason this is happening is because I'm dreaming. Then I just woke up. I wonder why that that didn't happen with the the scary version. Is it maybe the terror kept you there or something you know what i mean because it know. seems like if you were if you knew you could pop out of that by just realizing it was a dream or whatever it was realizing it wasn't normal consciousness that you could kind of spare you all that suffering. the thing is is that i did eventually get to that stage with it i did get to the stage because my mom basically told me at a given point in time she said well you know mike she was like, in dreams, anything is possible. And so all these scary things can happen. She's like, but you could do anything you want in a dream because you're not bound by you know, physical space and time. She told me that at a pretty young age. And so she was like, you know, next time you're dreaming, just like picture a gun in your hand, you know? Then uh, my mom told me that. That's cool. I, so I actually, this is in another interesting story, and I don't know if you've heard this one, but this was, I was older when this happened. I would have say like maybe eight years old-ish, mm-hmm. eight years old. And uh, I had this dream. And I remember I was at the mall, the strip mall by my house, my childhood house. And so it's very specific. Like the memory was a, is a very specific place. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing where I like I just kind of awoke into a dream and it's already happening. Everything's happening and I'm aware that I'm dreaming, right? And But I'm not like fully aware that I can make decisions. I just have that hyper real sensation of like this isn't an ordinary dream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. And I'm in this, this like a, a shopping mall and there's this – thing that's after me and i know right away i know it's the something like i can tell because it has a sensation about it where it's like it wants to get me and i don't know what what it wants i don't know but it it wants me and so i'm walking through the shopping mall and i keep seeing it and here's the creepy thing it reminds me of your trucker story every time i see the, the something it looks like this homeless dude and he's wearing this like uh green army jacket and it's like and it's ratty, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like wearing like ratty clothes, and he's got an orange beard, like a red, like you know, uh, not red, but um, you know, like ginger style yeah. orange beard, and orange curly hair. And his face is like really doughy, like uh, looks like he's coming off like uh, psych meds, you know, like real doughy pasty. and real pale, yeah, and pasty. And his eyes, and I can see him. He's following me, and I keep looking, like, oh god, he's gonna, he's gonna see me, he's gonna see me. I'm like trying to hide, you know. And I look at his eyes, and it looks like uh, like obsidian pressed into dough. Like they're like these black, beady, sparkly, creepy little holes in his face. So that cool. Are eyes, totally you know? sounds like something I'd paint. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is why I'm so drawn to your work. <laughs> and he's got this belt. I remember he had a belt, and he has this serrated knife, this rusty, bloody, nasty serrated knife in his belt. Wow. And I don't know what it means, and I'm not even like – I remember not being really afraid of anything in particular. It's just it, that's the something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's chasing me around kind of like following me. And I'm like, oh, I got to get away. I got to get away. you know. So I went outside, and I'm on the concrete pathway in front of the store at the strip mall, and I'm walking along, and I kind of look behind 
me. And of course there he is like, bam, materializes right behind me. And I'm like, Oh fuck, he's right behind me. You know? And then I was like, wait, remember what your mom said? You know, I was like, I could have a gun. And so all of a sudden, seriously, upon thinking it, I had a rifle in my hands. It was like so virtual reality. Uh. You know, I was like, Whoa, look, a gun. And I like, so then I'm like trying to get the cartridge to work and and I can't get the action to work on the rifle, right? It's like jamming up. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And then all of a sudden I realize, wait, I'm a I'm dreaming. Like I'm aware of myself. I'm making conscious decisions, but I'm dreaming and then awake. Oh wow. And and the thing was that time so there's a spin to the story because I, I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, like I was dreaming and I realized and then that means that I could, you know, and I was like, I should go back to sleep. So I literally went back to sleep and immediately right back in that exact same dream in the exact oh, wow. same place on the sidewalk with the gun. Right. Yeah. And I, so I'm like, no, no, no. I take it back. I take it back. I was I was OK. I came back to the dream, but I was across the street from the strip mall looking at the strip mall from a different point. But I was still at the same strip mall. Wow. And that story actually goes on pretty intensely that dream because I remember much more about that dream but I guess the salient point the reason I wanted to bring it up is because that was that first moment that I can remember of having awareness of myself as a participant in a dream that was making decisions and still maintaining some level of my ability to maintain the dream wow that's uh yeah that's pretty intense you didn't have the 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 dread feeling did you have the dread feeling during that? Oh yeah, it was super freaky. Oh, okay, it was a scary dream. And, and you said you weren't yeah. afraid of him, though. <clears throat> Didn't you no, say? I was. Oh, I thought you said you weren't afraid of him at one point. Oh, I was really afraid. Of him. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and that was later. See, that was when like I'd gotten older, and so I think that all of my experiences in my waking life at that point were kind of informing my dreaming. So it was mm -hmm. like, it made more sense. It was like a normal thing. Like you're at a mall and there's a creepy person trying to stop. Right. Like that makes, that's like real life sense, right? That's not like flying over an infinitive black landscape by right. something that's indescribable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you could tell it was like, there's a certain process there of like, cause that's three to eight, that's five years. So, you know, I was evolving in my dreaming as I was in my awareness and my consciousness just as a human being in the world, you know? Mm. Wow. Never mind. I, well, no, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's cool. It's cool. I was just going to say that it's like I can – there's so many experiences like that that I've had that it's it, it's so weird. And like – and I've had ones that are much more like what you're, you're talking about with the shadow people quote because I remember one – and this is years later and this is kind of a short one. But years later, I would say maybe 12, 12, 13, I was asleep and all of a sudden I woke up. And there was, I knew, and this is, it's so weird, but I knew there was a witch in my room. No, now, no way. When I say that, I don't know why I knew that, but I knew immediately. It was like the W-I-T-C-H in capital letters. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? I woke yeah. up and I was, oh my God, there's a fucking witch in my room. And I, and I could see a form and it was, and I, I want to say shadow only because my room was dark. Uh -huh. And so the, of course I couldn't see it, but it was shadowy and it was fuzzy. And I was like oh my God, I'm terrified. Like, and it felt like a presence and it was definitely predatory and looming right. over. And I remember I reached out with my hand and went, Ugh, like pushed out like that. Uh -huh. And I smashed my hand into this lamp that I had and totally cut my hand on the lamp. And because I was freaked out, but right when my hand hit the lamp, 
it was like I felt it go through like a kind of a really cold, like pressure-y kind of uh, liquidy area. And then when I hit my lamp and my hand cut, the thing just kind of like – and like kind of disintegrated, uh-huh. like disappeared into the air. And it was like I, I – there was, there was no seam though. And this is what I struggled with as a kid is there was no fine line between dreaming and waking. Like I never had a moment where I awoke and I was like, oh, I was dreaming that there was something looming over my bed. There was no moment where that happened. It was like I awoke, thing over my bed, lunged out, scared, striking out. And then when something – when I engaged in the physical world, it kind of snapped me out of being able to see that thing. But Mm. there was no difference between the way the room looked. The only thing difference was that that thing wasn't in the room anymore or at least I wasn't able to see it anymore. Right, right. That's – that is kind of ties um, these shadow beings and witches or whatever these dark spirits that we encounter in these out of bodies. Um, I, I think there's a there is some court, sort of connection between that and wake seeing whatever beings when you're awake spirits or whatever you want to call them. You know, there's some kind of I think I there's agree. some kind of connection. You know, it's like some. Some people can see him without being asleep, I guess, is is what it is, you know? Yeah, or maybe, I mean, I think that it also has to do with how much whatever it is presents itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's just as much the observer as the thing being observed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, you know, because I think that it wants to show itself to different people in different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's weird to even say want because I'm not thinking of it really as like a spirit or a ghost or a poltergeist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, I, I get a sensation from the something, at least my own personal experience of shadow people, which I call the something, is a sensation of awareness that it is aware. Yeah, that it's sentient, absolutely. Yeah, same it's here. Quite, that it's conscious. Mm-hmm. And, that, and the last thing I feel of it is that it's totally indifferent to me right like it doesn't care if it hurts me or scares me it doesn't care if i'm happy or it like it did not even good or bad you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't think i don't get a sensation that it's trying to hurt me or prey on me as much as when i when i was a kid i kind of felt that but more i realized that it's like it just doesn't care mm-hmm. like it's above me it's bigger than me and i'm like an ant like i feel like an ant that that some large creatures like poking at and thinking about maybe burning with a you know a with a magnifying glass like that's how it feels like it feels like it's much bigger than me and it doesn't really it's not invested in whether or not i have feelings about what's happening it's just doing what it's doing like it's playing almost right yeah yeah Yeah, there's uh have you ever had when you go into that state between dreaming and waking that sleep paralysis have you ever had um audio hallucinations or you know absolutely what what is it what have you heard well here's the thing is that so for as a young person all of the experiences and i've only talked about being just a few of them here but i had a lot of really terrifying experiences dreaming as a kid so i kind of like tried to seal that door i was like i kind of don't want to go there anymore because it's a little bit too much for me to take but as an adult, I realized that there's a power there and there's a, an abil- There's something there anyway. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something there and it should be examined as opposed to avoided. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a pretty – I spent a good portion of my adult life you know, arduously trying to reopen that door. And so I engaged a lot of different techniques for trying to figure out ways to kind of like become aware of myself as I was going to sleep. 
which is really kind of funny because most people that have sleep paralysis, as it were, you know, you talk about these people on that documentary, The Nightmare, they want it to end. Like they would do anything to not have that experience. What I started trying to do was actually make that experience happen to myself on a mm -hmm. regular basis. So I was working graveyard at the time and I was working in card rooms. So it was easy casino world. And I would, I would see off my wife to work and then I would go back to sleep for like four hours. Nap time is the best time to do it. Really. Yeah. That's what I've and always so, had is, is waking in the middle of the night and then going back to I, sleep. So I would get up at like, you know, six o'clock in the evening and then I go back to bed at 8 PM and I'd sleep from eight till about midnight and then I get up again. And so during that four hour time was when I was using to actually try to basically cause myself to have that experience, which mm -hmm. is kind of, again, it seems totally like, Foolish. Why would you want to scare, have a scary experience? But the reason was because I wanted to be able to teach myself to become fully lucid in dreaming. I wanted to be aware that I was in it and be able to maintain the dream. That was the thing I was seeking. And so I started doing these weird things and I would lay down and I would turn off all the lights. And then I would, what I would try to do is I would fall asleep, but I would try to catch myself at that last moment, right where you're falling asleep and you're almost asleep, but you're not quite asleep and like elongate that moment, if that makes any sense. And what would happen is, is all of the things that go along with sleep paralysis would be initiated. So all of a sudden I'd start to hear this sound. And this is why it trips me out that you say crackling, because that's exactly what it sounds like, is it sounds like there's electricity in the air. Mm -hmm. It's a crackling sound. And then there's this, I, I get this other thing, where I feel like I'm being sucked into a vortex. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm. And there's a sucking sound that goes with it. It's like, like, oh, wow. but almost like wind. That doesn't quite, it's almost like, like it sounds like wind. And I remember one night I was doing this whole uh, regimen of techniques to try to get myself to have this experience. And all of a sudden I was like, dude, the toilet is like, who flushed the toilet? There's nobody in my house. It's just me. And I, but I could hear a toilet flushing sound and that's how I knew I was going into that state because I could – it was an auditory thing where mm. I like – I heard the thing and that's how I knew I was going into it. And it was so weird because all of a sudden I could tell that my body was frozen but my awareness was mobile and I started doing like a spit thing where I was like rolling within myself. You know how like yeah. you would spit animal? Like I was doing it within my own physical body. So like I watched the ceiling and then watched my vision go down to the wall and then watched the pillow passed across my vision and then back up to the other wall on the ceiling, like rolling within myself hmm. and being able to be aware that I was basically kind of waking up the energy within myself. And those always led to, in effect, a sensation of being sucked down a black hole that's pitch black. So this sounds a lot like my childhood thing. Mm. And there's this intense pressure and there's this intense sound. And it feels almost like I've – you know when you jump into like water and you feel all the little bubbles of air kind of lift up off your skin? Mm -hmm. You know that – you know about like almost carbonated mm -hmm. it feels like i basically have jumped into pitch black water that's carbonated and i'm like flying downward at like an excessive speed and it's terrifying and i would do this yo-yo dance where i would like be flying down and then i'd be like oh my god that's that's way too much and i'd like fly back up mm -hmm. and then fly back down and back up and back down and back up and eventually if i would just acquiesce i could pop through and pop out in what like what I described as lucid dreaming, you know, but there were a lot of auditory sensations that went along with that process, particularly. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I one thing I forgot to mention when, in my uh, the little evil toddler uh, out of body thing was the uh, I know I've described this to you because you laughed at me <laughs> or you thought it was funny, but the sound was two oscillating tones. Um, I know this. Uh, the only reason I know that that's what it was is because when I was a kid, I I got a synthesizer when I was really young. Like I got when I was in Devo and stuff. Like probably nineteen seventy nine or eighty. I saved up and got this real uh, realistic version of the Mini Moog that you could buy at Radio Shack. Anyway, um, the so it it was it was exactly what happens when I would uh, play with my Mini Moog, and you get two tones that are the same right and when you start changing the pitch on the tones it makes a wavering sound so it was it sounded like in my ears i'll, I'll, I'll recreate the sound now it was uh it sounded like And so it would, it would go back and forth, uh, you know, that, that kind of wow to the, you know, and uh, it was just absolutely there. You know, it was like I could hear it in my ears like it was like I was wearing headphones, you know, and it's and it's another little funny side note is um, one time when I could you feel the sound like could you not just hear but could you feel it nah. like in your solar plexus or anything no. like that Mm-mm. no it was it was just a sound and i was it was along with the crackling it's almost like the crackling and stuff was out out here or out aside of my head and the uh the oscillating pitch was kind of right there in my ears or you know like that like the crackling was out there and the oscillating pitch was in in me or something and uh, mm-hmm. an interesting thing about that also is when I did uh, what was it? I think it was uh, uh, I think it, I don't know if it was a mushroom trip or there was some 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 sort of psychedelic I'd taken, and I, and I remembered that it I had the same kind of thing happen except it wasn't this oscillating pitch. It was once I started you know getting getting there i heard this pitch go like way up beyond what you can hear you know it went from this low and it almost felt like i think i told you about that in the past that that experience was very much like i was just getting bombed with energy just energy was kind of going after that but i thought that was really weird because it was very similar this auditory hallucination that sounded like the same thing which is a the thing about synthesizers is they are pure tone you know it's like a guitar is you know you're hitting a string and the string's vibrating and that's creating this tone whereas you know synthesizers are uh, i believe they're like pure the most purest form of of a tone that you can get it's like energy transformed into a tone it's like the tone of the energy or something you know so i thought that was really weird it sounds exactly like that like a synthesizer exactly so it's weird 
it, it's interesting when you talk about the sound and you, you gave me that the sound experience, gave everyone, I suppose, that sound experience. Um, when I, you know, I used to, of course, mess around with all kinds of different stuff. And at one point in time, I was screwing around with nitrous oxide. And that's the same sensation, that exact sound that you make, that oscillating sound mm-hmm. that you do. That's why I like I could literally close my eyes and just sit there and listen to you make that sound. Like, because it, <laughs> it, 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 like it has like a relaxing quality to right. it. That's the same sound that I get when I, when I would do nitrous oxide. It's like the, that exact same oscillating pitch doing Mm -hmm. that and like it's a really strange thing because i can feel the sound too for me when i have a lot of you know experiences that kind of walk that fine line of of what would be considered ordinary and non-ordinary reality there's a lot of as you've described with like your word thing or name thing with food taste there's a lot of synesthesia that goes on Mm -hmm. for me not just like with trips like because when i trip i have synesthesia for sure like i'll I'll see something and get a sensation in my stomach from seeing something, you know, mm-hmm. but I also get that from these, these altered states of reality that come are brought on by very natural biological processes, you know, sleeping case in point. And, and I'll have that same thing where like when I get that vortex sound, it feels like everything that I am, like all the molecules that are being all the subatomic molecules that make up those atoms, all of it is being like sucked down a vortex hole. Hmm. There's a sensation to the sound. I can feel the sound vibrating in every little, you know, corpuscle in my body. It's a trip. Wow. That reminds me of, uh, I took a class, a shamanism workshop, um, in the nineties, in the late nineties, mid nineties. And one of the guided visualizations they have you do is you go down this hole, you know, like you go, I forget, I forget what it was all about, but it's basically very similar. Like you go down this kind of black hole into this underworld. I suppose it's, you know, common metaphor for cultures throughout the ages Mm -hmm. anyway, but just reminded me of that. You know, there's one of those particular experiences resulted in a pretty profound result. Um, I had been doing these exercises, obviously, that I was explaining, and I I kept getting as far as to have the yo-yo effect, where like I'm flying down this, I'm 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 going down this blackness for you know lack of a better description, and at the end of it, I can see a square of light. And it's red and I can see it way down at the bottom. But the closer I get to it as I'm flying down, the more intense the pressure becomes. And it, it's it's terrifying. There's just a sensation of absolute terror of like if I go all the way to what that is, I'm going to die. That's mm-hmm. basically – there's no other way to describe it. That is pretty much how it feels. You're going to die if you continue flying down this dark rabbit hole. <laughs> wow. And, but then – so I would get in a yo-yoing thing where like I knew that's what I was trying to do. But the closer I got to the red square, which was way down there, and the closer you get, the bigger the square gets, right? Because you're getting fucking closer to it. So it's like – you know, and it would get mount – like the sensation of terror would mount. And I would be like, oh, no, 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 no. And then I'd fly back up from it, you know, and it would mm-hmm. get small, smaller and smaller. And I'm like, oh, wow. no, wait. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> and then I'd be like, no. And I'd kind of gather my courage again and then – Go back down and I would do this thing over – and I did it like literally for months. I did that on a regular basis because wow. I couldn't break through that. I was too afraid to break through it. So anyway, eventually I was doing that experience 
And I and I finally did it. I was like, no, I'm fucking going for it. You know, like I just was like all out. Like this is why I'm even doing the exercises. So if I keep doing this and I keep shying away from the thing that I'm actually seeking, that's stupid. That's like redundant. Mm-hmm. It's pointless. So I went for it. And I remember it was so weird. I'm flying towards the red square. It's getting bigger and bigger. And as it gets bigger, there's an image that's coming into uh, view. It's like congealing kind of out of the the – nothingness mm-hmm. and it's a friend of mine it's a friend of mine and i see him there and it's like i'm watching a video of him and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then it goes boop, and i pop out and i'm there with him just like oh that. wow and i'm standing with my friend leave his name out and we're like on the edge of the best way to describe it is do you ever read like shell silverstein mm-hmm. at all like yeah. where the sidewalk ends mm-hmm. so the art for where the sidewalk ends that's the place we were at oh, we wow. were like where the sidewalk ends we were standing on the edge of like a precipice and there was a road it was like a like a, a, a highway at least and it just went and then it just dropped off and it was all crumbling like asphalt clods. And it looked all like it went way too far out and then sunk way back in. Like you couldn't it really mm-hmm. possibly stand at the edge of this ledge, you know. And I'm standing there with him and it's like windswept and kind of apocalyptic. And he's looking at me real weird and I'm looking at him real weird. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm aware of myself, like fully aware. Like I'm dreaming. I'm in a dream. I'm aware of myself. Or at least if I'm not in a dream, I'm not in my body anyway. Mm. And we both like sat down next to each other on the edge of this ledge. And we started talking about the nature of existence. And we started talking about like what, you know, what is it that we hold to be true and why we hold it to be true. We had this like long philosophical discussion. And then basically at the end of the discussion, I just woke up. And I was like, well, that was really kind of anticlimactic. Like I was expecting after mm. all this practicing to have this conscious dreaming, something really profound would happen. So anyway, I went to work that night. Not that night. I took it back because that night I had off. So the next night I went to work and I get to work and I was going to work with the guy that I'd had the dream about. Mm. So he comes into this area. We worked in the cash cage, which is kind of a secure environment. So it's just he and I in there aside from surveillance, which is watching us. But for all intents and purposes, just he and I. And he comes in and right away I was like – dude, did you have a dream the other night that I was in? And he's like, oh, man, I had this crazy dream with you the other night. And I was like, really? And I didn't want to say anything. I like mm-hmm. didn't want to spoil it because I'm like i always looking for corroboration. Like I didn't just imagine that crazy insanity, right? And so I'm like, well, tell me about your dream. And he's like, oh, man, it was so weird. We were like standing on the edge of this cliff thing where there was a road and we were talking about the nature of existence. And those are That is crazy. Exactly yeah. That's totally was, crazy. So, so, I mean, obviously, whatever went on resulted <laughs> in a pretty miraculous result. That's insane. Yeah, that's really crazy. I, and the thing was, was then I started filling in details because I was like, I, so I started telling him about it and he got like almost sick. Like his face turned like white because it was scaring <laughs> him so bad wow. that I was able to tell him things about the dream that he didn't tell me that he like almost got sick. Seriously, he like his color drained and I thought he was going to like be ill. And then later on, he's like, dude, man, when we were talking about that, he's like all the colors in the room got like, it was, he was like the lights went up like a whole shade, like wow. everything like, whoa, I was like, whoa, dude, that's a trip. So he was having like perceptual changes in his waking reality as a result of realizing that we had dreamt in tandem effectively. Right. Yeah. That's intense. That's really amazing. Actually. I've had, uh, I don't think I've had one like that. I don't think. Nothing comes to mind, but I do have a friend who's had had a similar thing to where he was, 
he said he was flying around with his girlfriend at the time and and uh it felt like a lucid kind of out of body thing and then the next day she said she uh she asked him if he had these he was wearing these certain pajamas that she had never seen and he was you know so that was like a corroboration on their end which was really pretty cool pretty amazing not as not as 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 uh in depth as yours though that's <laughs> pretty well i mean specific. you know it's, it's a lot of when specifics. you're telling your own story it's always going to be more interesting than if you're telling someone <laughs> else's true, story you know so yeah but i mean it, the thing was was that at that point in time like that experience to me didn't seem that profound because i had already had experiences like that right albeit or he's just coming in from a regular dream yeah and... so it, yeah exactly <laughs> that was the weirdest thing about it, it was at the time because you know i mean i had already had experiences that had been corroborated where i felt like i had had tandem whatever's mm-hmm. whether it's dreaming or it's astral or it's out out of body or whatever but i had had enough of those so I wasn't – what was surprising to me was that it was such a mundane, seemingly like mundane thing and I wasn't seeking it. Like in the past, I had sought to leave my body and go see people or whatever. Like right. you know, that was my goal. This time, all I was trying to do was just exercise the experience of that limbo zone. That's all I was doing. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that there was a breakthrough there, I went for it. But it was like nothing – there was nothing special or profound. I wasn't trying to see him of all people. I mean I work with the guy. Like I – you know, we were friends. But I didn't really like need to dream about him either, you know. Right. So <laughs> it was so weird. It was so random yeah. and arbitrary. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like I intentionally did anything there, you know. Yeah. It's just fun because, I mean, a lot of the other experiences that I have really are, you know, the results are as a result of extreme and heavy-duty discipline and practice. Whereas this was like I was really trying to – I was definitely practicing and, and, and working towards something. But the, what I was working towards was an illusory goal. So I didn't really have like – I didn't know what was going to happen if I made this thing that I was seeking happen. Right. I just was going for it, you know. And what happened was, like I said, is like kind of, you know, a lot – like a lot of the other things really – totally normal and mundane and like mm-hmm. what is what does this have to do with this miraculous experience of that i just had preceding that well, you know that, that reminds me of uh, one uh dream out of body type thing i did have that was it was corroboration in a sense but it wasn't with another person i had this dream when i was living in hollywood um or out of body or something all of a sudden i was i was it was nighttime i was out in the parking lot the apartment complex where we lived and I was looking in the trunk of my car and I was looking through the trunk. Like everything was black except for, you know, it looked like, like a flashlight basically. You know what I mean? Uh, like I could, I could see through the trunk. It was basically like x-ray vision. Everything else was black around it. It was kind of fuzzy and I could see, you know, into the trunk and I was looking in my trunk, talk about mundane. And I spotted these, uh, sunglasses that I had lost, you know, a couple weeks or months. It was a long time. It was probably a couple months before. And I just thought, you know, that was it. That was a weird dream. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go look in the trunk just for the hell of it, you know, and see. <laughs> and so I went out there and looked in the trunk and underneath all kinds of junk because I'm a slob. And so it was all messy. I lifted up. I was digging through there, digging through there. At the very bottom were those sunglasses. Underneath all this junk in, in, in uh, the junk in my trunk, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, that was kind of 
you know, I guess you could rationalize and say, well, you subconsciously knew that you put those there, you know, two months ago or something. But it seemed really weird because it was it was definitely not like a normal dream. It was like all of a sudden I have X-ray vision. And I'm looking in the back of my trunk and then right, I right. go and check and there they are, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that I think unless if you've had an experience like this, which I think – I do really think that the vast majority of people have. I just don't mm -hmm. think that a lot of people pay much credence to it, which is to say that they don't spend much time thinking about it. And so if you don't spend much time prioritizing something, you're really not going to go that deep into understanding it. So I think that most people do have these experiences. But again, unless if you've had one and you're really kind of – you've, you've thought about it, you've really digested it, it's hard to really describe the thing you and I are talking about, this hyper-real sensation and this sensation of – of of being in a real place and having mm. you know what I mean like there there's again unless you've, you've had the experience and really thought about it it's it but to those people it seems so obvious because everyone that's had it like when you, every time you tell me one of these stories I immediately like oh yeah you know because yeah, I I yeah. know that feeling it's just like yeah. you know if you've never ridden in a race car you're not going to know what it feels like to you know go around a corner like that yeah know? I mean feeling is a big part of it there's a certain feeling that comes with it which is strange when you think about it if you think that you know that you are outside of your body in some other form it's strange that you would be getting feelings you know it's like a, it's a feeling that you can't describe because it's realer than reality it's totally yeah. different yeah. than anything i've experienced in normal waking consciousness you know mm -hmm. yeah. well and you know one of the things that uh, you know this is actually something that you and i didn't talk about um talking about <laughs> but it's an interesting thing and i'd like to bring it up because for me you know dreaming aside from all of these the these are kind of like uh, you know circus side sideshow uh stories and i love them and it's totally entertaining and fun but with that said for me dreaming definitely became a place where i could go to get good ideas mm. and so like one of the things that i think you know to kind of take it a little step further anyway is like for instance the documentary obviously the reason that we made the documentary was cuz i had a dream that i was making a documentary about you so that's an obvious example right, right. but i have some like less obvious examples of dreams that are really interesting where i dreamed you know an idea and it was either like a really good idea or it was an idea before it ever happened. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an interesting thought. And so like when I was, let's say, I think I would got to say I was like 12. We just moved out to the new place and I was going to sixth grade. So sixth grade anyway. I had this dream that I was in – like I woke up in a dream. That's the best way to describe it because like for me dreaming is like I wake up in a dream. I don't know how else to describe it Like, because I'm kind of – I have a certain degree of lucidity and, and a, a vivid quality to my dreaming in general. So like I have a certain level of just kind of being aware I'm dreaming a lot mm. of the time. And I think, again, that's as a byproduct of really working at it and really trying to learn to do that. But anyway, I woke up in a dream and everything's white. It's just like white in all directions. And I can't figure out – like I, I'm moving, like I run, but I can't figure out how far I've gone because there's nothing to base – the distance I've gone on, there's like no point of reference. It's like a place of no point of reference, but all white. So it was really weird, like a weird sense of non-locality. And then all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, I hear like trains coming at me, like hardcore, like, like flying at me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I see these black shapes coming at me and they're like coming – from the distance, from the interminable distance and flying at me and I just kind of like hold real still and they like go <laughs> past me in both directions and they're shelves 
and they're like they extend infinitively and they like fly past me and they're just these like I don't know 12 foot high black shelves and there's just things all over them and they stop they like they fly out right and fill up the space and then stop and I'm like whoa you know and then like kind of feel my hair like back down you know like whoa that was intense and I look over at this shelf and in front of me I see go ahead that's like the matrix no, when they're, when they're the, getting their weapons, it's totally like that. That's the weird thing is that again, and I made that conclusion later when I saw that movie. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" You know what I mean? Because this that was like a decade after I had this dream, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, in the dream, I look down, and again, I say dream loosely because I was like, it felt so real. It didn't feel like a dream. It felt like I would just more than being awake, even right now, talking to you. And I look down at the shelf and there's like this little – like a Walkman, like a Discman, right? And this was in the era of Discman, right? Because mm-hmm. we'd gone from cassettes into CDs. Yeah. But at that point in time, DVDs didn't exist. They just – it wasn't a thing yet. It hadn't mm-hmm. happened. And I looked down and I saw this little player and it had a flip screen that would flip up. And then you could take a disc and put it in and it would play the audio but it would also play a video right there on oh, the wow. screen. Yeah, and it was like a portable DVD right. player. Yeah. And this was, again, this was like at least five or six years before DVDs even became like a real thing. This was right on the cutting edge of CDs just becoming a thing. Right. So That's it was pretty... like, well, yeah, it's like, well, how the, what the fuck? You know, isn't that crazy? Like, I remember tripping out when DVDs came out, and I was like, man, if only I hadn't have been like a 12 year old with no resources, I could have like got in on that action. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right. <laughs> if there was an internet and you had some resources and you could find some companies to invest in and <laughs> but isn't that weird yeah well that um uh, I, that makes me think also of the uh uh since we're talking about dreams that sort of have kind of a tangible uh result to come out of it something you can kind of go hey i had a dream about that or you know the 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 one also in the documentary um about where I had that dream where I got crucified and I had the marks on my hands. That was a really weird, that was probably the, you know, that's like, I I felt like I was able to pull something back out as proof, you know, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the, the, well, and then again, you had corroboration. I mean, that's the beauty of those experiences where we actually have someone around that can say, absolutely. You know, you had your mom and your brother there to look at your hands and say, okay, Mm -hmm. this isn't bullshit. He didn't make this up. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's funny we seek that so much. Like, in order for us to believe that something miraculous happened, we first have to have someone else agree with us that that's possible. Well, yeah, that's the, the, but the nature of, you know, the the mind, there's that element of, you know, the mind can play all kinds of tricks on you to to a point, you know, They're, they're you know, it's it helps to have corroboration from somebody else. But I, the thing that I thought was the, the short version of it is I had a dream. It was on Easter Sunday. Um, I when the dream happened the night before Easter Sunday, and I was uh, had a dream that basically I got crucified to be saved, and which was weird because we weren't a re- religious family or anything. Um, but when I woke up the next day, I was thinking about the dream, and I looked at my hands, and, and I had these two marks on my palms, of my hands. And the weirdest thing about it was that they were hard, like calloused material in a perfect circle. You know, it didn't look like anything. It definitely, it wasn't something I could have made by rubbing my fingers or, or even hurting myself without knowing it. I mean, there it was. 
it was weird. They're both kind of, they weren't centered to, they were off centered to that more, I guess if you follow the line of your ring finger, that's where they were. And they were small. Um, and in the dream, the, 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 uh, nails were small like little carpenter nails but they were they were hard they they were they weren't blisters or cuts or scrapes they were hard little raised and they weren't rounded bumps they were like flat like right like the top of a volcano you know if that was if it was filled in sort of you know and uh and they were gone the next day you know my brother said he you know they were there for a few days but they weren't they were gone that's the other weird part of that story he was mistaken about is they were absolutely 100 percent gone the next day so they were just there for easter sunday for me to enjoy did you wake <laughs> did you wake up the next day with them gone or did you like pick them off no no i, I mean just, like did they, I, like was there an exfoliation that occurred or <laughs> did you just wake up the following night and then they were just not there they were just not there they were just there was no evidence that they were ever there it was it was crazy it was you know one of the most miraculous experiences I've, I've ever had in my life. Well, you know, I mean, inevitably it's always that it always, those stories always for all of us, they, at least I think for most of us, we think to ourselves like, okay, so either he had this incredible experience that was like on a parallel, you know, layer of a multiverse mm -hmm. where this thing happened and it was it occurred energetically or the, the power of perception is so profound that it caused a psychosomatic reaction in the body right. to actually mimic as if the thing had occurred because mm -hmm. your belief in the occurrence would, you know, could elicit that result. Those are kind of the two schools of thought when you start to get down to the nitty gritty, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't describe to either, but I just find it, you know, fascinating nonetheless. Because we, what we want to do is is define and identify and describe and make sense out of mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I, I just, you. it's, it was weird because, uh, you know, I've had all kinds of other intense dreams where something like that could have happened and it didn't you know you could i guess th there's plenty of ways a, a scientific mind would, would maybe justify it as a psychosomatic thing and maybe it was i don't know but it was it was weird that's all i can say it was really uh i felt like it was real proof of something <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean for me i could say the same thing of like you know when i was having those experiences as a young person you know again three four years old being flown across that expanse when i would pop out in another world normally what i would be faced with is like you know in one of them i i, I remember there being a barn and i go to this barn and i go inside it looks like a house inside of the barn it doesn't look like a barn inside and I find a trunk and the trunk leads to these stone stairs that go down into this basement area. And I go down in this basement and it's a torture chamber. And I remember there being like decayed corpses that were partially disemboweled hanging from shackles on the walls. I remember there being an Iron Maiden, the actual torture unit of an Iron Maiden. I remember it being wet. I remember the smell of it being dank and musty and the something was down there and it was like going to get me. And the thing is, is that, again, that is to me just as miraculous simply because I was three and a half years old. And so I hadn't – and again, it would be one thing if I had parents that were like, eh, watch whatever you want to watch. But I had these parents that were like, you know, they would they made very good decisions about what we watched. They were careful about what we watched. We didn't have an opportunity to expose ourselves 
to that level of adult themed material at that age. And so it's so it's fascinating to me because I can't write it off and I can't make sense out of it in any other way other than to say that somehow I was tapping into something that exists outside of myself because I had no reference point for it in my waking reality. Well, that kind of reminds me of uh, another friend's had a dream or uh, my friend's brother. I remember when this happened too, because I was friends with him at the time. And, um, uh, my friend's brother woke up in the middle of the night and drew this picture. And it was, a an army man getting shot like a, it was, and it was really way better than anything else he had drawn before. Cause I remember we, we used to all draw and it was always a competition to who could draw better. And so I kind of, you know, I knew his ability and this was like, this looked like beyond his ability. This was a really good picture for uh, a kid of his age to be drawn. And it was just, you know, he had this horrible look in his face, this soldier, and he was getting shot. And, um, we thought that, you know, he showed me the, my, my, uh, my friend showed me the picture. He's like, Hey, my brother drew this. And, um, last night he just, he, he, I guess he sat up, he was in the room with them. He just sat up and he started drawing it and went back to sleep. And, uh, after that they would go to, uh, he said they went to, a, uh, an aviation museum, I think. And they were looking at an airplane and he was saying, this is, I used to, this is, I used to fly one of those or something like that. You know, like he was, he, he was claiming that he used to fly in this airplane. So it was, it was like mm-hmm. definitely like a weird past life kind of thing in a way, you know, it was pretty freaky though. I remember that happening. It was eerie, that drawing, looking at that drawing, you could tell something was up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, I, when I look at all those drawings that I was doing at that age, you could tell something was up yeah. for me too. And my teachers thought it too. I mean, mm-hmm. my teachers were telling my parents, what's up with your kid, you know? And they were like, well, we don't know either. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we I, wish we, could you tell us? Cause I, we wish we knew. I did plenty of torture chamber drawings and blood and, uh, you know, mute, mutilated bodies, but they, I, I can tell where they were all from, you know, they're from the movies I was watching. They were from the forgotten prisoner model that I used to, used to have. And, fan of the opera plastic model I had had kind of like a torture chambery base in it and people behind bars and stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, later that would, you know, and later for me that made sense because of course, what did I turn to? I was really into medieval stuff. I was into haunted houses. I was into heavy metal. I was into Halloween, you know? So later, of course, I was emulating, as you said, things that I had experience for. It's just that at that point in time, I didn't have that experience. And so, you know, again, it leads, it it, it lends some credence to the notion that whatever is going on when we're in these altered states of consciousness, whether we want to, you know, whether it's dreaming out of body experience, astral projection, sleep paralysis, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever it is, there's something going on that's more than meets the eye. Definitely. There's just no question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you, and we, we can go to, uh, um, alien abduction stories, uh, uh, psychedelic DMT experiences and all of that stuff is so your death experiences or people that have died and Mm -hmm. then come back. Yeah. And I guess the common thread is the the, the human mind, you know. Well, and, and yeah, and the way in which the way in which our perception, you know, ultimately dictates the way in which we interface sensorily, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because again, if I could 
be having an experience of a sound that, first of all, auditorily, if you'd been recording the rooms we heard these sounds in, there probably was no sound. Second of all, you know what I mean? The feeling that goes with the sound, right? So again, you're getting – you're having these experiences that are clearly beyond, you know, the scope of what we all hold to be reality. And it does beg beg the conclusion that there must be more going on and that it's part of the human condition, that we all are related to it in one form or another because inevitably – we all enter into different states of consciousness, different states of perception as a result of what we're aware of and, and what we're, we remain unaware of at times. Yeah, well, that's one thing I think we can all agree on. Scientific minds and skeptics, as well as uh, you know, people that believe this sort of weird stuff, is that um, definitely there's something more going on. <laughs> the thing is just that nobody knows what the hell's going on. You know, but there's something more. There's always something more. There's something more. It's it. You know, it's fun to think about all that kind of stuff, you know, and it's fun to talk about. And I, you know, I mean, again, there. I'm looking at just just for the fun of it. I was looking to see, you know, there are other things that we were interested in talking about. But I think that inevitably we should we should carry this conversation into additional, uh, you know, episodes because. And and I'll be curious to see what people think and how people respond to it if people are interested in, you know, in it the way that we are because obviously we are. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. we would have spent an hour and thirty minutes talking about it. Yeah, right. I definitely and yeah. still have more to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, there's a lot of just regular dreaming that that would be fun to discuss. I have a lot of dreams that have stuck with me that are just you know, psychological reflections of what I've been going through, stuff like that. Yeah, you've got some great dream stories for sure. Yeah. So maybe we should. And I and I want to and I want to hear more about your precognitive dreams next time too, because I'm curious. Because you we you know we didn't even get a go there, and I'm really you never have told me any of your precognitive dreaming. So yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to take a rain check on that and do that next time. But that'll be exciting. That'll be fun. I'm I'm curious to explore this topic more with you. Yeah, should be fun. Well, let's move <coughs> on so you can go have your cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't As you get cough for this. <laughs> I, you didn't smoke that many times, though. I was impressed. No? Well, maybe that's something to do well, with Well, you know, I would like to say this this time because we have neglected to say this last time. And it's vitally important to the success of the Dark Art Society podcast. And that is that you rate and review us. Please do, when you get an opportunity, rate and review us. You can do that. You can leave comments. You can engage. You can share on social media. But ultimately... The better we look on iTunes and SoundCloud and the various other platforms that we're on, uh, the more we exposure we get, the more we can do this and continue to do this. And if you enjoy it, then take an opportunity to help us out. Yeah. And uh, if you want to support the podcast in another way, you could uh, buy stuff off of chetzar.bigcartel.com. That will help uh, pay for this and support us so that we can keep doing this. And if you're interested, uh, Chet mentioned the documentary Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters. Oh, yeah, you should uh, get that. Two times. Yeah, he mentioned <laughs> that a couple of times. You guys should get that, and you can get that at chetsart.bigcartel.com. And it is available signed by Chet himself. So, yeah, we would love it if you guys got an opportunity to watch that. And furthermore, if you do watch that, of course, rate and review it on IMDb, Amazon, Rotten Tomatoes, or else iTunes. Yes. Cool. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your time and we've had a good time. We look forward to doing this more. Yes. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time on the Dark Art Society podcast. Take care, guys. Bye.